All right, thank you, Aaron, and thank you all the kids that participated in that. That's a song we all know, and if you don't know it, it's easy to, to learn it, right? You just put your finger up, that represents your light, and you sing along. And that song came to mind as I was preparing this lesson today as we get ready to read these verses, and maybe you'll see the connection. Specifically, what I'm thinking of is the third verse where he says, never let Satan it out. Never let Satan put out your light. Well, there's a a fear of that in the text that we're going to read today. So let's start in verse 17 and 18. As for us, remember, Paul, Silas, and Timothy are writing this letter, so that's us. Brothers and sisters, they're writing to the church in Thessalonica. When for a short time we were made orphans by being separated from you in person, not in heart, we longed with great eagerness to see you face to face. Verse 18, for we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, so now he's switching to the singular, I, Paul, wanted again and again, but Satan blocked our way. So let's spend a few minutes in this. I highlighted here, their desire to come see this church in Thessalonica is strong. With eagerness, we wanted to see you face to face. We wanted to come to you again, but why can't they? What's stopping them? Well, if you remember, a month ago we did our intro sermon, and we went all the way back to Acts chapter 17, where the the origins of this church in Thessalonica, Paul and Silas were only able to stay in Thessalonica for about three or four weeks, depending on who's looking at it. They weren't there for a long time, and they were chased out of town. There was a riot. They go to another town, and then they're chased out of that town. So Paul and Silas have a target on their back, and they're not able to go back and visit and strengthen this church like they would like to. And so when Paul switches to the singular in verse 18, he says, I wanted to again and again, but Satan blocked our way. This is one of those times where hopefully your interest is piqued just naturally by the text. I read that and I think, well, what does that mean exactly? How did Satan do that? How did Satan block their way? And how does Paul know that it was Satan working behind all of this, orchestrating this plan, preventing them from traveling back to Thessalonica and strengthening this church? You know, it's been a little over 10 years now. My wife and I, in August of 2011, we moved to Rwanda, Africa. Now, many of you, if you've been around for a little while, you've heard me tell stories about that, our time in Africa. Um, it, it, made a, it was a formative time on our life. We thought we were going to go become missionaries and possibly do that for the rest of our lives. Jessica was a third grade teacher. She quit her job. I was a youth minister. I stepped away from my position. We went around to churches and we raised money and we preached and we were going to go work with these street kids and we're going to go from... Uh, August 2011 till May of 2012, we had this big plan and then probably come home for a little bit, regroup, and go and spend the rest of our lives there. That's what we thought. So we left our homes, we left our jobs to go do this, and we were there for a few months, and then it all just fell apart. We weren't able to get a work permit to stay in the country legally. So after three months of being there, we had to leave and go to Tanzania and then travel back, where we still were not granted a work permit. Uh, During that time, we discovered that Jessica was pregnant with Addie, and that was unexpected. Uh, We had this little scooter that we would ride around in. I told this story a few years ago. We had a pretty bad scooter accident. That was kind of a a huge scare for us. And then we had immigration, the Rwandan government immigration, took our passports. 
and had them for two weeks. But if you've ever traveled internationally, people always say, keep your passports on you at all times. Well, we didn't even have our passports with us. And then when the passports came back to us, they only allowed us two more weeks to stay legally in the country. So we're going to leave again and come back. And we just decided, look, the wheels are off. This thing is just unraveling and not working out. Which, by the way, this is a picture of Jessica and I from 10 years ago when we first started. I made this joke in the first service but we still kind of look the same, or at least I feel like I do. I said that, and everybody laughed, and I, like I, th- I kind of thought I do. But anyways, so this is like our first week. We were happy. We were excited. And then as the months went on, it's just like things went downhill. So when we discovered this is just not working out, we went to this coffee shop. It's called Bourbon Coffee in downtown Kigali. I believe it's still there today. And we were just sitting there. I was in a funk. I was disappointed. I was frustrated. I was bummed out. We realized that we're now going to have to buy flights and go back home early. We're going to have to let the rest of the missionaries know, hey, we're leaving. This is not working out. And then we're going to have to call the churches that had supported us and raised money for us, let them know why we're coming home early and figure out how to reimburse them because they had raised money for 10 months and we were only there for about five months. So it was a big ordeal. It was kind of embarrassing. I was frustrated. And during while we were sitting at this coffee shop, Jessica could tell how frustrated I was, and she said, this is the work of Satan, or something along those lines. And I don't know why I responded the way I did, but I quickly responded and said, are you sure this is the work of Satan? Or could it just be that this is the world that we live in? We live in a broken, fallen world, and God has given us free will as human beings to make our own decisions. And could it be that sometimes things just don't work out the way that we want them to, and we have to learn to just live with it? I've since apologized to her for responding that way, but that's just kind of what came out of my gut at that point. Maybe I didn't want to give Satan too much credit, and I very much believe that I don't know if Satan was behind all of this, orchestrating this plan to mess things up for us, but I do believe that Satan will use situations like that to try and destroy your spirit, try and crush your spirit, and undermine your faith. But I thought of that experience as I I read 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 18, where he says, Satan blocked our way. We wanted to come to you, but Satan prevented us from coming. Maybe you've heard the the quote before, or you've used this yourself, when God closes one door, he opens another. How how many of you have ever heard this before, or maybe even used this yourself? So there's some truth to this. This is not an actual quote from the Bible, by the way. The Bible doesn't actually say these exact words, but the concept is there. This past summer, we studied uh, the book of Revelation, the seven letters to the seven churches, and and I've mentioned in some of those sermons, like to the church in Philadelphia, to the church in Laodicea, the concept of a door, and especially the church in Philadelphia, there's an open door that was placed before them. So God is the God of the open door. Maybe if God closes one door, He opens another. Maybe that's a way that He answers our prayers. But kind of going along the lines of this quote here, you could take it in another direction, based on what Paul, Silas, and Timothy are writing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and verse 18, and you could say when Satan blocks one door, God is certainly capable of opening another door. What Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke, and many other the early Christian writers and apostles were very aware of is that there were spiritual forces at work in the unseen realm that we may never even know about. 
In fact, I'm not going to get into some other verses that I originally had planned to during the sermon. If you go to your Connect group tonight and your Connect group leader follows the guide, you will get into some of that. But when Satan blocks one door, I believe that God can open other doors. Do you believe the same thing? Yeah, I think so. So let's keep reading here in First Thessalonians. We'll move on to chapter three now. First Thessalonians chapter three, and I want to see how God still provided open doors, even though Paul just said Satan blocked our way. Verse one through five. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we decided to be left alone in Athens. We sent Timothy, our brother and co-worker for God, in proclaiming the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you for the sake of your faith, so that no one would be shaken by these persecutions. Indeed, you yourselves know that this is what we are destined for. In fact, when we were with you, we told you beforehand that we were to suffer persecution. So it turned out, as you know, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that somehow the tempter had tempted you and that our labor had been in vain. So every time I prepare a sermon, especially going through a series like this, before I read commentaries or lexicons or Bible dictionaries or listen to what other preachers had to say about it, I believe the Holy Spirit works with just reading God's Word. So I spent a lot of time just reading it initially. And what I could not help but notice when I read this chapter is you notice the worry and the anxiety in the voice and in the pen of Paul and Silas here. They're worried. They are fearing the worst for this church and the theme for this lesson, this little light of mine. They're worried that their light is out. And they're using what ifs. You know, all, a lot of anxiety is rooted in, in what if, isn't it? What if these persecutions that we warned them about, that we told them were going to happen, what if those persecutions have caused their light to go out? Or what if the tempter, verse 5, has tempted them to the point where our work was in vain? They're living in anxiety. Paul's worried about what has happened to this church, that Satan has blocked his way to go back and visit them, and he fears the worst. Remember in the song, never let Satan what? It out. Never let Satan put your light out. Well, Paul, Silas, they're worried that that's what's happened in Thessalonica. Remember, this was before Facebook, email, phone calls, or anything like that. They were not able to communicate with this church, so they had to send Timothy. But if Satan blocks one door, God can open another door. Well, what good has come from this blocked door? Could anything come from this that's good? Is God still working in the background in his own providential way, using Satan Blocking one door to open another? Well, in my opinion, yes. Two things that stand out to me. One is letter writing. The very fact that Paul writes this letter is proof that God provided another open door, right? If Paul got his way and was able to just travel freely in the first century without persecution, without resistance, then he would have gone to Thessalonica himself and seen them face to face, and that would have been great for that church, but he probably would have never written this letter. Most of the New Testament, or at least half of the New Testament, seems to be written by Paul, most of his letters. But if Paul would have never experienced resistance or persecution, would he have ever written these letters? Because he was put in prison, because he was prevented from going to cities, 
He had to sit down with a pen and paper guided by the Holy Spirit to write these letters, and God is still using these letters 2,000 years later to form and shape churches like our own. So you see that? Satan blocked one door. He blocked them from traveling to Thessalonica, but God opened another door through writing these letters. I feel like we kind of experienced that in the spring of 2020. I took this picture. This was one of the many weeks when we gathered here when we were sheltered at home. We weren't allowed to for the first time in my knowledge for this church and many churches to to gather. We we weren't supposed to have uh, be in groups larger than 10. You remember this time. And it was not ideal. I'll go ahead and say it caused a lot of anxiety in my life, and I would have much rather do what we're doing right now than preach to a camera and eight people sitting around on, you know, trying not to look at them, look at the camera. It was not fun. I would have much rather have been here interacting with all of you. But as one door was closed for a time period, God opened another door. In fact, I can see and I can share stories with you on how God has used that time in the open door of cameras and YouTube and live streaming and things like that to reach people that we probably would never normally reach. So one door was closed, but another door was open. Even though, kind of like Paul, he would rather be in person in Thessalonica, well, the letter writing would have to do for a time period. For us, live streaming would have to do for a time period, even though I know it's not ideal. Last week, the thing that resonated with most people from the sermon was when I talked about negativity. I heard so much feedback about that. People were like, you're talking right to me. Well, obviously, we all have this line of thinking negative thoughts. And looking back on this time period and what all has gone on during the pandemic, it's easy to look at the negative. But what if we chose to be thankful for the things that we do have and the ways that God has worked, and we can look back on that and say, thank you, God, that you still allowed us to connect even when we weren't in person. It wasn't ideal, but God still opened another door. So good can come from that. Satan blocks one door, well, God opens another door, and he's able to write letters. God still does that today. Another positive that came from this is what I would call equipping others. Who does he send? when he can't go himself. Timothy. If Paul had it his own way, he would have gone. But he knows that he and Silas both have a target on their back, and they can't travel to Thessalonica. But Timothy doesn't. So reluctantly, I would say, Paul is forced into sending somebody else, and he sends Timothy. Look, Timothy's a team player. Timothy's a good man. He has high quality of character. He's a good person to send. But if Paul could travel freely, he would have just done it himself. But because he couldn't, he sends Timothy. And what that does for Timothy is it equips him as a leader and a church encourager. You see how another door is open? How something else good came from this? Many years ago when I first, the first time I ever worked for a church or interned uh, this summer I interned with a youth minister as a youth ministry internship and the youth minister that I was working for somebody that I highly admired that I looked up to and so I was looking forward to working under him I was going to work under his wing stay in his shadow just kind of do what he wants me to do and my first day on the job it was pretty easy it was a Sunday morning I 
I was introduced to the kids at the youth group, to the church. I led a devotional that night. No big deal. Until that afternoon came and the youth minister that I was working with said, oh, by the way, uh, I'm going to be out of town all week, so you're in charge of everything. This was my first day on the job. And he said, I need you to take the kids to the summer youth series tomorrow night, which means you need to get yourself on the insurance, figure out how to drive our church van, take all these kids, recruit adult helpers, figure out what kids are going, make calls to every single family to let them know what time we're leaving and getting back. And you need to teach our big youth gathering Wednesday night. And you need to teach high school class Sunday morning, which means I had to prepare it. So, and then he's out. I was overwhelmed. It was like he was throwing me into the fire or throwing me into the deep end of the pool to see if I'm going to sink or swim. And even though I was nervous and overwhelmed that week, that week was really good for me. It propelled me into a leadership role that I probably would have not stepped into had he not stepped away. I almost think he did it on purpose, but it was really good for me. It equipped me to step out of his wings, step out of that shadow, and to lead on my own. And that's what I see happening to Timothy here. Paul and Silas can't go back, so they have to send Timothy, and that equips him. And it's not going to be the last time that they send Timothy. Uh, If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 16 or Philippians chapter 2, those are at least Two more times that we know of that when Paul can't travel to a church, who does he send? He sends Timothy, this young man who is being equipped and discipled and put in situations where he has to lead. So good things come. Satan blocks one door while God opens another, yet the, the fear is still there. that We saw in those first five verses of chapter 3, is, is their light still shining? This little light of mine is Thessalonica. Is that church there, that little church, is their light still shining? Well, we get to verse 6 through 10. Timothy comes back with his report. and says, But Timothy had just now come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love. He has told us that you always remember us kindly and long to see us just as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers and sisters, during all our distress and persecution, we have been encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live if you continue to stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face and restore whatever is lacking in your faith. So Timothy comes back from his visit to Thessalonica and he brings Good news. That's the word that's used in verse 6. The word good news is the same word in Greek that we could translate as either good news or gospel. Euangelion in Greek. And almost every time Paul uses good news or gospel, it's in reference to the gospel of Christ. But here, in a rare occasion, he says, you brought us good news. And what he means by that is he's celebrating the faith of another church. He doesn't often use good news in that sense. Good news, the church is doing well. Their light is still shining. They're staying faithful. Now, even though they're persecuted, even though Paul and Silas can't come visit them, their light's still shining. Satan hasn't put their light out yet. If you notice, one of the things we talked about in our staff meeting earlier this week when we read chapter 3 is how they are, Paul and Silas especially, are inspired and energized and encouraged by the faith of someone else. So how often 
Can we look at somebody else and see, hey, look, you're doing really well in your faith or some other church that's doing really well and be able to just celebrate with them. Praise God that you are strong in your faith. One person told me earlier this week, you know, misery loves company. Usually when we're not doing well, we don't want to hear about the success of someone else. But when Paul and Silas are suffering persecution and they hear of the positive end of the faith development that's taking place in Thessalonica, they celebrate that. In fact, they said, you've given us life to hear that. They are energized by this. Their light is still shining. So we go back to the song that we started with. This old little kid's song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And that third verse, never let Satan it out, right? The church of Thessalonica, their light is still shining. Paul and Silas, even though they're persecuted, their light is still shining. And I would say for the Pine Tree Church of Christ, our light is still shining and will keep shining. Even though we've gone through a pandemic, even though we've, we see it all the time, there's people that are discouraged and frustrated and filled with anxiety or fear or disunity. Or You know, I could just go on and on about the ways that Satan has tried to block our way but we have to be determined that we're going to continue to let our light shine. I had a, a lengthy conversation with a gentleman after first service, and we talked about some mutual friends that we have together, and the way he described them is their light is no longer shining. And he's right. Like you think about a lesson like this and let your light shine, and we know people whose lights as an individual disciple of Jesus, their lights were at one point shining brightly. But you look at their lives now, and that light has completely gone out. So maybe we need to encourage some people to get that spark going again in their life to let their own light shine. And maybe that would start with prayer. Because at the end of this chapter, verse 13, 11 through 13, they offer a prayer for this church. Their light is still shining great, but Paul prays for even more. Paul prays still that maybe God will direct our way back to you. It's kind of a dreamy, lofty request, but he still believes it could happen. And then in verse 12 and 13, he says, I just pray that your love will abound and increase for each other, for others, and that you will be whole, that your hearts will be strengthened in holiness, and that you'll be blameless before God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, for the third week in a row, the chapter ends with the parousia, the reference to the coming of Christ. And the theme working in the background of this sermon series is Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. How do we live in anticipation that Jesus is coming? How does that change the way that we live? So until He comes. As a church, as families, as individuals, may we keep letting our light shine. And if you feel like Satan is trying to put your light out, whether it's through any of those things I've already mentioned, negativity, discouragement, anxiety, depression, sin, bad habits, addiction, whatever it could be, yes, Satan will try to put your light out. And if you need strength or encouragement or prayer today, and come find one of us and let us pray for you. If, you. if you're ready to put on Christ in baptism and start letting your light shine, come talk to us. We're going to offer an invitation right now. If you have any need, stand. As you, I'm going to invite you to stand up. But if you have any need, come find us while we stand and sing.
Come ye sinners, poor and needy, bruised and broken.